Last couple summers, and hopefully many summers to come, my family and I, along with several other LifePoint families, have hosted children from Belarus. It's part of Children of Chernobyl, and, and as, the, as 2007 starts, you'll get to hear more about that. Maybe you can take part in it and see how you can help, maybe host a child on your own. But last two summers, we've had a little girl named Alina in our home, and Alina came to us the summer of 2005, and she knew very few English words. Very quickly, I found out the English words that she did know. She knew cheeps, the way she said it, coke, and no. Those were her words. The child would have eaten potato chips and coke for every meal. I guess our chips and coke are so much higher quality in the United States than they are in Belarus. She just wanted them all the time. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, cheeps and coke, cheeps and coke. All she ever asked for. One day, and, and when she would eat, she would kind of eat a little faster than we eat and fill her mouth a little fuller. And one day I said, Alina, can I have one of your chips? No. I was like, really? really? Give, me, give me a chip? No. She wouldn't give me a chip. There's a couple things Alina didn't understand. Number one, those are my chips. <laughs> I paid for those. With my money, and if had I wanted to, I could have taken those chips away from her and not given her any more, because they're mine. Another thing Alina didn't understand was that if I wanted to, I could shower her with so many chips, she wouldn't have room enough in her little mouth and belly to hold them. I could just give her chips ten times a day if I wanted to, because they're my chips. Some of you live your life with a little pile of chips, some with a medium-sized pile of chips and some with a big, huge, like honking pile of chips. And every week, God says, can I have a chip? And we say, no, these are my chips. Now, if God wanted to, what could God do? God could take our chips away from us, couldn't he? Or if God wanted to, God could shower us with so many chips, we wouldn't have room enough for them. So every week God says, can I have a chip? Last week I started a new series called In the Zone. And I started out talking about how some people live their lives in the zone. Some people live their lives out of the zone. God wants us to live our lives in the zone. But a lot of people choose not to do that. A lot of people live in the land of Ing, right? They're out here in the land of Ing, just living and, and outside the zone. But inside the zone is where God is the blessor, right? And what God wants to do is make us the blessed. So we can become a blessing to others. That's living in the zone. How do you become a blessing to others? It's simple. You receive and you reflect the blessings that God puts in your life. Receive and reflect His blessings. Well, what's the land of Ing? The land of Ing, if you weren't here last week, that's when people are into owning, buying, earning, housing. Ing, Ing, Ing. You could add a lot of stuff. But what we want to do through this series is learn how we can move from the land of Ing to the land of Er, that's right. Change from ingers to ers. That's what we're trying to do. And the people in the, in the land of Ur, in the zone, receive, reflect God's blessings. 
And they become give-ers. They become serve-ers. They become share-ers. So God is the blessor. We're blessed, and he wants us to become a blessing to others. And that's what we call we're blessed to bless other people. Because by nature, God is a blessor. That's what God wants to do. God can't not bless. It's part of his nature. It's who he is. God naturally gives. And God wants to naturally give to us so we can naturally bless and be a blessing to others. We receive from God and we reflect God in our lives. We are not owners. We're what? Managers. We're not owners, we're managers. And the zone is the place where you manage. The zone is the place where God blesses you. And God, God wants every person in here to live in the zone. He doesn't want us to live a zoned out existence. He wants us to live in the zone, in the sweet spot of his blessing. I said last week that we've all been told our whole lives we need to believe in God. And that's true, we do. But if you ever considered that God believes in you, that he's in your corner, that he's on the sidelines rooting you on, have you ever considered God believes in you and God wants you to live in a place where you can enjoy his blessings? And you might be here today thinking, I'm not blessed. If you're here, you're all, all of you. You're already blessed. Even if the bank account is empty, even if you don't know where the next, how the next bill is going to be paid, you're blessed. Everybody close their eyes and do this with me. Just take a deep breath and let it out. All right, you're blessed. We're all blessed. We just got to breathe. How'd you get here? You drove in a car. The great majority, like 90% or something like that, the rest of the world does not drive anywhere in a car. So we're pretty blessed. Afterwards, what are you going to do? You're going to get back in your car, either go home for lunch or out to lunch, but you're blessed. So all of us should be living in the sweet spot of God's blessings. That's where he wants us to live. Romans 8 verse 31 and 32 says this, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God who gave us Christ also give us everything else. So what I want to talk about today is the quickest route to get from outside the zone, inside the zone. The fastest track from being in the land of Ing to being in the land of Ur, which is in the zone where you can enjoy the blessings of God. It's the fastest way to do it. So listen up. This is going to be the quickest way to get there. So God comes up to us and he says, can I have a chip? What do you say? You say yes or you say no. Today I want to talk about the biblical principle of tithing, of giving 10%. And I know what that makes some people think. He wants the offering to go up. So if he's talking about tithing, he must be talking about money. Great. I show up at church, trying out LifePoint, haven't been to church in forever. What's he talking about? Exactly what I think preachers and pastors and teachers talk about. They talk about money. And that's what he's here to talk about. The first thing I come, money. Well, to get that thought out of your mind, we already received the offering. It's finished. Okay, so I am talking about money, but 
It's not so you'll put more in the plate at the end of the day. That's already been passed, already been done. You know how much Jesus Christ talked about money? He talked about money more than he talked about prayer. He talked about money and stuff, possessions, more than he talked about faith. Because Jesus Christ, being God on earth, knew how money, how possessions, how stuff could get a hold of our hearts and take us in directions that we don't want to go. He knows how money and stuff and possessions can get a hold of marriages and bring them down. He knows how money can get a hold of friendships and destroy them. He knows how this love for money can turn into greed to where you see all the corporate scandals you see in the news. People getting the rest of their life in prison. People so stressed out about it, they die. He knew that money had that kind of an effect on humans. So he talked and talked and talked about it. Money can also do great things. In the hands of the people in the zone, people that live in the land of Ur, in their hands, money makes a huge difference in the world. Money heals people. Money helps with research to find cures for diseases. Money helps homeless, parentless children be put in homes where they have loving parents. Money helps homeless people find homes. Money helps hungry people be fed. There's a lot of great things that can be done with money. People who have no relationship with God, have never heard of Jesus Christ, and need to hear him, it takes money to go where they are and share the love of Christ with them. Money in the hands of the people in the zone can make a huge impact on the world. But money in the hands of people that live outside the zone and say, it's all mine, I earned it, it's mine, I deserve it, and I'm going to decide what I do with it because just like those bag of chips, it's mine. Money out here doesn't make a big difference in anybody's life but the people out here. But when money is used inside the zone, it can change the world. Got to admit, I get a little bit, really feel like little butterflies when I know I'm talking about money because there's so many pastors, teachers, televangelists that, that talk about it in such a bad way, such a greedy way, that makes me a little apprehensive to bring it up. But when I read the Bible and I see God mention it over and over and over and Jesus mentioning it over and over and over, then what kind of a pastor would I be if I didn't talk to you about money? This year I've talked about doubt. I've talked about attitudes. I've talked about relationships. I've talked about addictions. We've talked about a little bit of church history. But only once did I ever mention money. But yet Jesus talked about it over and over and over again because he knew the kind of hold it can have on our lives. There's a couple principles when we deal with our money. First thing is, principle number one, first things first. That's a biblical principle when it comes to our money. First things first. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. He's talking to a bunch of farmers And he's saying, okay, farmers, the first things you bring out of the field before you sell any for yourselves, before you take any home to even eat for yourselves, before you do anything else with it, honor me with it. The first fruits. And usually when you go to pick fruit, don't you pick the best first? Don't you pick the best stuff first? So what God is saying is give me your best. Give me the best stuff you've got. Give me the stuff off the top. 
There was something about first fruits to God that was special. It was that first fruit of faith. In Exodus 13, verse 12, God says this, you're to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. There's something about that first little bit, that first fruit, that first child, that first bit of money, whatever, that God wants. There's something about giving that to God that he says that is special, that is set apart, that's different than all the rest. When the Israelites were going into the promised land, they had 10 cities that they had to conquer. The first one was Jericho. And God told Joshua, their leader, he said, Joshua, when you go to take the promised land, the first city you're going to take is Jericho. And he gave him all the instructions on how to take it. And he said, when you go into that city, all the gold, all the riches, all the silver, all the stuff in there that's valuable, I want you to bring every bit of it, everything from that city And I want you to bring it into my house and store it up for me. Then there were nine more cities and they got to keep everything they got out of those other nine cities. But God said, the first one, the first one you conquer, the first fruit, it comes to me. And then go enjoy the rest. So what does that mean for you and me today in 2006? It means that God still asks us to honor him with the first part of of what we earn. That's what the Bible says. It's that simple. Remember, I'm not focusing on money. Already been taken up, okay? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about honoring God. God says, honor me with your stuff by bringing me, and it says, I'm going to read in just a minute, 10% of your income. You're probably thinking, 10, are you for real? Like, like 10%? That's what God asked for? Is that on my gross or my net? You know, because that makes a difference. It depends. Do you want to be grossly blessed? Or are you just going to be blessed a little bit? That's totally between you and God. Gross, net, you got to figure that out. But it's about honoring God with what he's given you to manage that's already his. However big your pile of chips are, are they little? Is it medium size? Is it huge? God says, manage this pile of chips for me. And oh, by the way, can I have one? Can I have 10%? Because they're all his anyway. Why the first fruits? Why that first portion? Well, because that meant trust. That meant saying, God, this is yours. Before I know what's going to happen for me, here's your 10%. Biblical tithing is not saying, well, look, let's pay everything. I think we'll probably have 10% left over. We should. Let's get everything paid and then let's decide if we can do it. That's not trust. Trusting God is saying, God, the first fruits. Not, God, if I got enough left over, after I take care of myself, then, then I'll bring to you my first fruits. There's two guys in the Old Testament, Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel. They both brought an offering to God. The first one was Cain. And listen what he brought. Genesis 4, verses 3 and 4 says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And it goes on to say that God didn't like that. Why wouldn't God like that? He brought some of his stuff over the course of time. So after he had picked all the best stuff and used it up, 
He brought some of it to God, and God says, that is not the way it works. God wants the best. God deserves the best. God deserves the first fruits. Listen what his brother Abel did. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock, and the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, the firstborn of his flock. He didn't say, I'm going to let them all be born, and let's see which ones are the best, and then maybe I can give some of those. That's not what he said. That's not what Abel did. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock to God. That brings us to principle number two when it comes to biblical tithing. Biblical tithing is not giving. Biblical tithing is bringing bringing it. It's what today is called. Bring it. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 it says, bring the whole tithe into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have enough room for it. God says, bring me the first 10% of your income and bring it to my house, house of worship. That's the local church today. God didn't say, give it to me. God says, bring it. Bring it to me. See, you can't give somebody something that's already theirs. I mean, Alina may have let me eat one of her chips, but it, they were really mine. But you can bring somebody something that's already theirs. Does anybody have a $100 bill? Wasn't that quick? He brought that to me very quick. That was good. You know why he brought that to me so fast? Because I gave it to him before the service started. I said, hey, when I say bring it, run up there real fast. Because it's my $100 bill. That's what God says to us. Could you bring me a tithe? Could you bring me a chip? Could you do that? Many times we go, no, this is mine. I work for this. This is my $100 bill. Do you know what God does? He says, bring me a... T- does anybody have a $10 bill? Any $10 bills? You got a 10? Man, that was quick too. All right, there you go. Now see, is that a deal or what? Is that not a deal? That is some kind of a deal. And that's what God says. Take that 90%, live on it, enjoy it, save it, buy some stuff for yourself, take it, but... Bring me the tithe. Bring me the 10%. Remember, it's not about money. It's about trust. It's about trusting in God to do exactly what he said he would do. Remember, it's already his. That was already my $100 bill. When I was about six years old, it was Christmas Eve, and I realized that I hadn't been shopping yet. Not many six-year-olds can go shopping. And so I didn't have anything for my parents for Christmas. And I was looking at all the gifts under the tree, and my brother and sister are a lot older than I am, so they'd already gotten, gone out and forgotten about asking me if I wanted to get anything. And, and so here I am, Christmas Eve, no presents for my parents. So I started thinking about, well, what do we got in the house they might like to have? So, so I go through the house, and I find two things. I find it was a, a blue light, came from Kmart, a blue light AM radio. I don't know if you remember, you used to be able to buy those at Kmart. It was a little blue light, flashed on and off, AM radio, I thought, dad would love this. So, so I take it and I wrap it up and I put it on the tree. And then I go searching through the house for some more gifts and I find a Polaroid one-step camera, you know, the latest thing in, in the 70s. And, and I wrap that up and I put it on the tree to give it to my mom. 
And I bet to this day they haven't forgotten the Christmas when they got gifts that were already theirs. <laughs> they, they were theirs, but I, I brought those gifts to them because of my love and trust and respect. And that's what God says. It's all already his. He's already blessed. He's been the blessor and you're the blessed. And, and he, is, he has set you up and given that to you. And week after week, God says, can I have a chip? People week after week. In fact, about 75% of the people say no. No, you can't because they're mine. So the question is, to the 75%, when are you going to stop robbing God? That doesn't sound harsh. I, was, I didn't know if I was going to say that or not, but it came out. <laughs> when are you going to stop robbing God? That's what it says in Malachi chapter 3. It says, will a man rob God? And they ask, well, how do we rob you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. You don't bring your tithes, you don't bring your offerings, and God tells them you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. God is saying, if you want to live on 100% cursed, that's your business. But if you want to live here, blessed, it's going to be 90%. That's what God asked for. And if you want to get from the land of Ing to the land of Ur, and understand that God is the blessor, blessing us, And we give back to him. If you're ever going to go from here to here, you have to understand it's not about giving money. It's about bringing God the first fruits. It's about bringing God all of our trust, all of our faith and saying, God, bless my 90%. Fill it up. Make it do great things. Make it stretch further. And next week, you're going to hear some stories from some people who made great sacrifices to say, I'm going to bring the tithe. I'm going to do it because God said to do it. I want to live in the zone. They did it, and God took their 90% and supernaturally blessed it. And if you don't think that's true, just ask anybody that's committed to the biblical principle of tithing. Just ask them, and they'll tell you. Somehow God blesses that 90% in a way that I've even got more purchasing power than I did When I used 100% of it, it just happens. That's the way it works because God says, test me in this and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and you'll have so many blessings you won't know what to do with them. Just like my parents didn't need that blue light AM radio or that one-step camera that they already owned, God doesn't need our money, but God desires our trust. That first 10%, that tithe, that's spiritual It's not a physical piece of money. It's spiritual. That's the part that's got power. That's the part that shows God they're serious about trusting me. They're serious about it. When you go to God first and he gets your first fruit, that's the part that has power. Remember Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 that I started out with. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. I don't know what your crops are. If you're a farmer, you know what they are. If you're not a farmer, whatever your profession is, he's saying, honor me with the first fruits of everything. He was telling them to give him their best, and it was never about the money. But look at what God says will happen when 
you do bring him the first fruits. When you do say, God, this tithe is yours, and you bring it to him, it says in verse 10, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And the only time in the Bible God says, test me. If you don't believe this is true, test me. I've heard of churches saying, give this a try, and, we, and if God hasn't blessed you in six, ten months, we'll give your money all back. I'm not going to say that. So, But it's true. God will bless. In Malachi 3, verse 10, the only time in the Bible God says, test me. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And he's talking about bringing tithes and offerings. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. That doesn't mean a new Mercedes is going to miraculously appear in your driveway or your bank account's going to triple just overnight. Like, wow, I don't know where all that came from. But God said, if you get in the zone and you live in the zone in the place where I can bless you, then you're going to have so much blessing to receive and reflect. You are not going to be able to store it all. You're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to use all of it. I'm going to give you so many and so much that it will just completely blow your mind. So God says, test me with every paycheck, test me. And God says, can I have a chip? Now I know when I talk about tithing, there's automatically some of you that think, well, I make zero. So, you know, I'm off the hook because I don't have any money. Zero percent, 10% of zero. That's, you know, still zero. And some of you may be buried so deep in a mountain of debt, there is no possibility, no way that you can do this. And I understand that, and we understood that as we talked about this series, and that's because, that's, and because of that, after this series is over, next week you'll start seeing some promotional material about it, you'll be able to go to an orientation called Financial Peace that talks about money management that talks about how to get out of debt and stay out of debt. What if you're in the middle of bankruptcy? How do I get out of that so I can start to bring God my 10%? Get involved in this Financial Peace University that's going to be coming up starting next week. You'll know the dates and you will learn how to get out of debt. You will learn how to bring God the tithe you will learn how God can supernaturally bless 90% more than the 100% could have ever been blessed on your own. So we're not going to ask you to do something without providing some tools to help you step up and get to that part in your life.